feedback. The show continues online at Sirius XM Volume. Be part of the Volume community. Sirius XM 106. It is volume. Nick Carter and Lori Majewski. And for quite some time now, we have been going back and forth and trying to understand everything involved with the Woodstock 50 situation, which actually ended up in court. Uh, as of yesterday, there was a bit of a resolution. And uh, more importantly, the man at the center of it all, Michael Lang, is gracious enough to join us on the air. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Nice to be with you. Hi, Michael. So I guess we should start by congratulating you on uh, the way things turned out in court. However, uh, both parties are claiming victory. Well, I mean, I don't know what what uh, amplifies victory is here, really. Um, the judge, you know, agreed that they had no right to, to cancel the festival and uh, ordered them to stand down and stop interfering. Well, when your 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 lawyer Gregory Peck yesterday said Woodstock is on, I wanted to know what does that mean because uh, the judge decided that Dentsu does not need to return the seventeen point eight million. Do you have other investors waiting in the wings to take over? Well, just to clarify, Greg Greg is my partner. Your partner. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but what the judge what the judge um, decided was not that they didn't have to that they didn't illegally take it. He just did not go so far as to order them to put it back. Um, so so that's kind of the situation. But we, we've been waiting for this decision, um, you know, for, for the last couple of weeks because uh, we really needed a clear field to conclude our, our agreements with our new investors and with our new production partners. Um, so this was really, you know, a turning point for us. Okay. So our... So are we to take it then that you do have new investors lined up because the last we heard before the uh, the whole proceeding went to court was you were in need of $30 million by last Friday, and that was before we learned that Dentsu could remove the $17.8 million from the account. So where does that leave you in terms of the finances you need to get this thing done? It leaves us with some very great financial partners. <laughs> Great. So you you feel you feel confident about it that you have these investors that your financial partners can help you to make to pull this off. It's saying Woodstock is on. It's on. Absolutely, absolutely on. And um, you know we we have an amazing uh, production partner coming in who we'll, we'll announce in a week or so, which will I think surprise everybody. And and uh, you know it's it's just it's been an unbelievable ride. I mean. The, you know, my partners, Greg and Susan, and, and the people who were working with us, Amanda and Farad and, and Ronnie, and just, just you know, Mike Stock, all, all of our crew has been, you know, really tremendous going through this uh, with us. And and it was great that, that the talent and the agents sort of uh, took the position of, let, let's see if we can pull this together. And, and uh, so we're really grateful to everybody for their support. Well, let us ask you this, Michael. Uh or I should say, let us give you an opportunity to clear up any 
uh, misconceptions or misconceptions that you feel have been lingering out there? Because the first story we heard that was troubling was uh, the inability to get a permit, a gathering permit. That's what pushed back uh, the ticket on sale. So the tickets still have not been put on sale yet. We don't have an on sale date yet. But more importantly, as the legal proceeding went on, we started to hear all these other things, all these other things, allegedly uh, timetables that weren't being met on your end. So what's true, what's false? So, I mean, that that is pretty much all false. It's all false. We, we uh, were going through all of these, these issues um, with the permit. We were actually granted a conditional permit. They're all conditional until three days before when they do the final water test. But we were granted a, a conditional permit on, on the 22nd of April. Uh, Dentsu decided that, that they wanted to push off the on sale, um, which was disappointing for us. We felt it was ready to go. But, but there were some conditions on, on the issuing of that permit. Um, they, they needed a bond and that the track had to take out, and the track was, was hesitant to do that, and as was Dentsu. So, um, so that pushed everything off. Uh, but we're we're now re realigning the permit with our new producing partners, and that those those uh, issues really and the and the work that went into it are, are almost complete. So that's that's kind of a very short window for us as well. Can you give us an idea of when tickets might go on sale, and maybe just a realm of how much they might cost? Anything? Because we have a lot of listeners that expressed interest in going. Well, you know, we, we haven't set the final price, but we're we're definitely going to be under four hundred dollars uh, a ticket, um, and we're looking for an on sale date in the next couple of weeks. We're looking to make an announcement of on sale in the next ten days or so, um, and that's that's kind of the projection. We just there's a lot of things as you can imagine that have to sort of come back together and get moving again. And how many but, people do you think you can see like? Do you think this is 75,000, 65,000? How many people do you think this Woodstock 50 will be? We're going with, with, with a permit for 75,000. We were looking initially for a much higher number. Um, things got late. Uh, you know, Superfly, for example, was not signed by Densu for two and a half months, and that put us way back in, in, in terms of timing. Um, a lot, a lot of those kinds of things were what, what created the difficulties with working with with Dentsu. Um, but you know, we have we have great people lined up, great crews. Everybody's ready to roll, um, and we're confident that everything will get put together in the in the, in the proper way, in the proper order. And it's going to be an amazing and inspiring event. Okay, can I ask you to clarify one thing? You said that Dentsu wasn't ready or didn't want you to put the tickets on sale at the time that they were supposed to go on sale. Uh, how is it that they were in a position where they could make that decision unilaterally, if you will? And also, I wonder uh, if everyone who's been announced to, to be part of the bill is still part of the bill. Have you had anybody drop off? If so, who? Nobody has dropped off. Everybody has, has stayed with us, and the bill remains the same. Um, in fact, we're, we're probably going to be looking for a replacement for the Black Keys over the next month or so. Um, so... That's all very solid. Um, Michael, one thing, the judge kind of hinted yesterday that he didn't think you could pull this off. And I have to say, listening to everything that you're telling us right now, you pr- you sound pretty um, confident. Why do you I'm, think the judge said that? I'm totally confident. I mean, I've been here before. We've done these things before. I know what's, in, what's involved. A lot of the work 
you know, has already been done. Uh, we just need to pick it up and complete it. Um, all of our schedules were, were for the next three months were, were are still in place. You know, we needed to start doing things like turning the fields um, and, and reseeding in certain spots. Um, there's certain roads, interior roads that need to get done, and those are the things that have to happen first. Um, production comes in much later. Uh, so we're in good shape. We, we, uh, we're, ready to, we're really ready to, to put this back together and get going. Well, there were some infrastructure questions, uh, in particular the bridge that was supposed to be built, and one of the police captains said that he didn't feel that it would be safe. So I guess, right. I guess, I guess the immediate question is, how sure are you that you can get everything done that needs to be done just on paper that uh, the state is requiring by, by venue time, and why do you think it was that someone in authority felt that strongly that they could come out and say, look, I, I don't think this bridge is going to be safe? Well, first of all, anything that's structural in New York State gets engineered and, and, and approved. So nothing happens without the engineers approving it. Um, the captain from, from the state police, you know, that was his question. Uh, he's not an engineer, and obviously, you know, and it would have had to have been engineered to, you know, a totally safe level uh, before anybody would approve it. So that was just a comment, I guess. You know, he's, it's the same guy who, who heard my, my uh, town meeting and kind of misinterpreted what I was saying there as well. Uh, you know, it's hard when you're hearing things on the radio and not having a, you know, one-on-one conversation. But but do you understand? It just seems like there was a cumulative effect of a lot of things that seemed uh, kind of in 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 limbo, and that's I think what was leading people to kind of question whether this was doable on your end. But here's the thing: the bridge, first of all, first of all is no longer in our plan. We've we've value engineered the site so that it it works more efficiently. So the bridge was 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 eliminated. But you know, people pick up on little things that are going on, and there are problems and. You know, Woodstock is is kind of the kind of phenomenon that anything that happens gets covered, you know, by by every news media out there. And so, you know, you work through things as as you you can imagine when you're doing a new festival project, and you run into things that work, and then you decide that some, this this other thing will work better, and that's how you make your plans, and that's how the mass gathering works. You know, we submit information to them on what our plans are. They vet them. They send them back for, for you know, uh, recommended changes, and, and then they go back for approvals again. It's just the process. It's, there's, there's, you know, if you look at any festival, any new festival that's, that's emerging, you, everybody goes through the same things. It's just that, you know, we, you know, for good reasons, I guess, um, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of go, goes hand-in-hand hand with what Woodstock is about. Everything gets covered. Right. I mean, one of the things I posited the other day is that it's, you know, in this post-fire festival world, you know, there's a there's a spotlight on putting together a festival that might not have ever have been there before. Like, you've done this. This isn't your first rodeo. Like, are you surprised at the reaction? Like, you're just like, are you thinking, I was, this was just business as usual, and people were calling me out on stuff that I was just going to fix in time for the festival. I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but were you surprised at the, the reaction? Well, you know, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. I mean, the, the references, you know, or the comparisons to the, to the uh, fire festival, you know, are just absurd, really, when you think about it. I mean, they sold tickets 
and use that money and never produce the festival. We weren't going on sale until we were sure everything was in place and, and would not be selling tickets to the public until everything was solid. So it's, it's a completely different you know, scenario, but it's, we're, we're living in the age of the fire festivals, so, so it's, you know, it's a natural comparison, I guess. It's, it's, it's kind of too, too juicy a, a, a comparison not to make. But to that point, Laurie and I have talked about this a lot. Um, knowing that we are in a post-fire festival world and everything gets out information-wise via social media or the TMZs of the world, uh, would you not be more inclined to be a little more careful to make sure that everything, every date was uh, made, every deadline was hit? Because, again, that's that's been the, uh, the bitch from Dentsu. You weren't making your deadlines. You had violated, allegedly, according to them, uh, parts of the contract before tickets were even on sale. And the judge and Dentsu both questioned whether you were going to be able to actually put the festival on. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't recall the, this this judge questioning that, and I don't know what his experience is with with festival production. Um, but you know, the, the the reason that things were late, and that, as I said, this is part of the, the problem with working with a big corporation sometimes, is that they they took too, way too much time to engage our producing partners and and our booking partners. Uh, once we signed our agreement, we expected, you know. Superfly, who was at that that time going to be the production partner, to be signed within a week. It took them two and a half months, and Superfly was was really cast with the, with the responsibility for the permit. So they were in a time crunch. We were all in a time crunch as a result of having to deal with with that bureaucracy. Um, Michael, one of the questions that I have for you uh, has to do with your business reputation and Woodstock's reputation. We're speaking with Michael Lang, by the way, co-creator of Woodstock and and looking after Woodstock 50. Um, It's interesting because, just to to put it out there, we've been following this since the beginning, since when you announced where it was going to be, then the announcement of all of the acts, which our listeners were going crazy for. And then we had some listeners calling up in the last couple of days saying, you know, I really was excited to see Dead & Co. I was excited for Robert Plant, but I don't know if I can trust this. You know, so how how are you going to go about repairing your reputation and trying to convince fans to take a chance on this festival after all the bad press? I think once our production partner is announced and once once um, the permits are in place and tickets are on sale, I think everybody will regain confidence in it. As I said, you know, it's as you say, it's a, it's a world where everything is, is instant and, and social media really sort of carries everything that happens minute by minute. But I think that, you know, people will see that everything is in place and solid and, and, and the the event will be an amazing experience. I mean, it's, it's we've done this before and, uh, you know, it's it's, as you know, this time it's all about sustainability and about um, activism, and, and we're engaging a lot of the artists in that in that uh, effort and a lot of NGOs, and and it's really so, sort of something that hopefully will engage people in, in in the social conversation and get people to vote and get people to sort of make their, their voices heard. Um, that's a big part of this effort. And I think as, as things get the blocks get put back into place, people will regain confidence and and, uh, and feel comfortable about being able to commit to it. So what about um, tickets in terms of, like, 
you know, they want to know the nitty gritty, the fans who are listening, you know, are there going to be, you said, uh, keeping it under $400, will there be one day ticket if you just want to see what's going on that day? Um, Will there be, and there's going to be camping too, right? It's basically a camping festival. There'll be there'll be limited one day tickets, but it's basically a camping festival. I mean, that's part of the experience of of a Woodstock event. It's you know living together and becoming a community and and really sort of in, in, engaging in each other for a period of time. That you know people will some people will want to come for one day to see certain acts, but that's going to be pretty limited. Hey, Michael, just out of curiosity, as I've said, you know, I think part of the problem that you were facing was the cumulative effect of the things that, from the outside looking in, appeared to be going wrong. So the Black Keys were the first band to pull out. Uh, can you give us any, uh, any, any light as to what happened there or why they decided not to do the show? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Black Keys pulled out just, I think, a week after we announced that they were, out, they were, they were on the show, and they, it, it was really, for them, a scheduling problem. Um, you know, I think it had to do with their album production, and and so they decided that it was they'd have a, you know, they'd need more time, I guess, to to uh, finish up before they came out, you know, in, in a touring sense. And what was it like? I mean, I have to imagine you were fielding calls every other day, every other hour, from artists saying, "What the heck is going on?" We had artists on our show saying they didn't know what was going on. Um, did you have? How were you able to allay their fears, or is it just a legal thing that they have to perform because they were paid? Well, it wasn't just a legal thing, but it was, you know, the, the only way to allay everybody's fears was to get this ruling in court. Um, that was the, the critical point here, and everybody was very patient and, and hung in there with us until we were able to do this. But just so you, again, to try to allay those fears, from what I understand with my pedestrian understanding of the law... Uh, the ruling in court basically just says that they did not have, Dentsu did not have the right to unilaterally cancel. You can go ahead with the festival. So how can you allay the fears of folks still going, he's still got, you know, he's still going to be like Sisyphus pushing that uh, ball up the hill. You know, we've made it up the hill every time. <laughs> well, I can tell you. Um, I, as I said, I think, you know, as the, the next week or so unfolds, um, we'll be announcing, you know, our production partners and our other partners, and I think that will give everybody a lot of confidence. Yeah, you must have learned a lot. I mean, putting on a festival in 2019 is way different than even 1999, isn't it, Michael? Like, it's, it, does it has it shocked you, like, the difference in what it takes to put on a festival in a post-Coachella world, a post-Bonnaroo world? No, it, not really shocking, no. I mean, it's, you know, I've been aware of how the business has, has changed over the years. Um, so... It's 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 a different kind of challenge. That's all. I mean, they're all challenging, and they all have their own sort of special characteristics. And this is just a different kind of challenge. Are clothes optional? Um, <laughs> personal decision. <laughs> so I'm assuming, as a result of this, uh, Woodstock 100 will just move smoothly. <laughs> yeah, that'll be my kids. <laughs> Well, I have to say, you are hard to ruffle your feathers, Mr. Lang. You sound excited for this, and you sound confident. So, I mean, is there anything last that you want to say to those listeners who want to buy tickets to this? Yep, just, you know, stay tuned, stay with us. Um, the tickets will be on sale soon, and, and it's going to be an amazing and fabulous event. And, and uh, you know, Watkins Glen is, is a, a beautiful site for this. It's 1,800 acres, lots of green fields. 
Um, I know that there was a, a problem with the fish uh, show last year when, when the town water supply was was uh, contaminated, but we're bringing our own water. We've done that before. On the 25th anniversary, we put up 2 million-gallon tanks uh, so we'd have our own water on site, and we're doing something similar here. So all the problems that, that, that uh, you know, relate to the site or relate to the production have been solved. All right, Michael, shut down the haters. School these devils. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. All right, man. Have a good day. Good Thank luck. you very much. Yes, good luck. Let's, let's...